Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the miniatures gaming podcast about miniatures gaming and surrounding hobby. So, so on the note of surrounding things, I think we had a whole bunch of conversations about whether like Marvel actually saved the superhero movie genre. Did, did we? I don't know. It seemed to have gone that way. That the nobody would would have. I don't remember that being the end result. Explain it a little bit. Oh, this is gonna be a hot take. Yeah, go for it. Just that nobody like before them superhero movies were like ah yeah okay that was neat, and they just kind of forgot about them. Or you're like oh this you don't take them really seriously like haha whatever guy superpowers. Uh So the movies sort of like. I don't know, man. I don't know if you remember this, but you will believe a man can fly. Uh-huh. But Although like, you will also believe in a costume with bat nipples. Yeah, exactly. You're like much, much later. Yeah, because we grew up with Batman in the 90s as uh-huh. the superhero, and you're like, yeah, this is kind of a joke. Like, yeah. Just... And if you wanted to take superheroes seriously, you would watch cartoons. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Like, the, the cartoons took the superheroes seriously, and I'm like, wow, these are really cool. Yeah. But uh, for some reason, the... Uh, the live action ones didn't. And then they, they did release the X-Men series. Is that what you're talking about? Where they tried to take it more serious and they're like, oh, you wouldn't wear stupid costumes. Why don't you just wear like, I don't know, what is it? Leather, a bunch of leather. Or like leather, a- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like tryhards, leather tryhards. And then there was a huge gap. And then there was Batman by Christopher Nolan. And uh, the Marvel's heroes with Iron Man, but the, the the thing with Christopher Nolan was along the same lines of Bat of of X Men is he tried to take it super seriously, except for the stupid voice. Uh, and then, and then Iron Man hit, and it was actual superheroes on the big screen. Yeah, like this is what you think of in the comic. Like it's it's both adult, but it's also colorful and it's also fun. And it like fully embraced the superhero kind of culture. Like Grubber Downey Jr. is more Iron Man than Tony Stark in the comics. Yeah, because you felt the character was going somewhere. You didn't just feel like they were sent on like some weird little adventure and they didn't really mm-hmm. develop. They just had to go do a thing. Yeah, and then back. yeah to basically just to sell toys. Yeah, they, they they eventually managed to bring comic books to the main screen, and then people sort yeah. of expect like just like comic books have offshoots, like oh we need the MCU like universe shows because people are invested in the universe. But mm-hmm. before that, no no TV yeah. show would really accomplish the same sort of thing, unless like as you're talking about, unless it was animated. Yep, and it's kind of interesting because I think the first time they tried to put the Marvel stuff on 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 TV, it was actually agents of shield which is much more similar to normal tv shows like procedural and stuff like that like because they're not full-on full superheroes i i wonder if it's more about the uh trying to keep the cost down but after that they did things like daredevil and they did that marvel knights line which was like superhero superheroes but like street street level which allows them to be a little bit more fast and loose and cheaper and do yep. the, the film for cheaper but then they just started doing actual superheroes because they're like you know what we've afforded the budget we can just do a high budget tv show like i guess like game of thrones with lots of cg and effects and then you had things like wandavision loki loki uh loki was cool looking captain right? america and the or falcon and winter soldier right mm-hmm. yeah all of this like and these would never have been able to be filmed before because they didn't have the money for it, right? Yep. But now, now the audience was built, and it's like, oh, okay. Now we yeah. can, now we can do like serious, serious mainstream superhero stuff. Yep. It doesn't so, just have on TV, which I never watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually never watched these TV shows, but I know people who watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm more worried about like crossovers killing killing the the marvel the the superhero genre just like they killed the comics for me the was, was Wanda, comics for me was wandavision a 
I have no idea. I never watched any of them. Is it a sitcom like it looked like in the advertisement? Because I never watched I wish. It. That is super cool because I love sitcoms as well. That's like a different thing of me though, right? Like, but the idea of just like a whole bunch of sitcoms with the same actors is like a great idea. Um, I don't know if it's good for superheroes, but I have no idea. I never watched it. Uh, well, if you're into experimental stuff. So, well, this basically went off tangent and i don't think the tangent we went to had anything to do with our topic but what is our topic oh am i supposed to say it sure why not all right so our topic is uh just like marvel could be said to save the superhero genre uh ignoring all the tangent that we went on um we want to talk about how the hobby part of our hobby saved tabletop ministry games yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if this is jumping to the conclusion first or not, mm-hmm. but it seems like because we're now game stores, at least where we are in Canada, have been closed off and on for like two years. Yeah. If you're but, in the future, in like a utopian future, uh, just know that we're recording this uh, while uh, we're in the middle of COVID-19, uh, which is uh, named after a pen a pandemic the year that a pandemic came out that is still going on in 2022 is that correct oh my god this has been terrible it's been over two this is the third year it means technically the fourth year if you lived in china yeah i mean there's been enough changes to this to this version i think it needs to be called like it needs a new name it needs to be called second omicron we call it omicron i guess yeah i guess because we we almost got rid of the other COVID, the Delta and stuff, because we got vaccines for that. But then Omicron is resistant to vaccines. So, so and <laughs> on Netflix, we banned it from the How field. Omicron saved the COVID 19 pandemic from going extinct. That's not our topic, though. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But in this trying times where we're constantly going to lockdowns to make sure that we don't overwhelm the hospitals and things like that and not as many people die and you know cancer patients don't just are not able to get in the hospital and just die as well um we've been in full lockdown and so the wargaming hobby part where we get together and play games has been severely affected right Mm even without lockdowns, right? There's been a lot of restrictions and masks and things like that, which makes it harder for, and, and number restrictions. So when, you know, this this hobby that we're, we're in, miniature wargaming, if you go to the hobby store to play- And just like, and just the discouragement of large gatherings, if you're, if you're trying yeah. to avoid things, you would try to avoid yeah. large gatherings, which miniature games kind of like having. I guess maybe not necessarily large, but a well, decent number of people, right? And so, like, before the pandemic, we had a thriving Infinity community, Infinity Miniatures Gaming community, every Monday at the Sword and Board in Toronto. Uh, and it was doing really well. We had lots of people. We would go out for drinks afterwards. We're building a decent community, right? Uh, and then COVID happened, and that you know, that, that Monday night basically got killed right because of restrictions. So even briefly last year, when it opened up a couple of the people, you know, because we've been together for so long, um, you know, luckily our community survives some somewhat, but has been much reduced. Right. Um, but when we tried to come back during COVID, uh, last year, we started having days to come back. It was a lot harder to get all these people who, who, who you know, to come back. Some people didn't even know that the the uh, Monday nights were were open again, and maybe that's a good thing because, like, not even like maybe a month later, it closed back down again. <laughs> yeah, I think I only played two games or something in the store, and then that was it. Yeah, I think it was a month. I think. So it was great when it was open. We played like one, we had one tournament to say, hey, we're open again. And then we're going to start back up the Infinity community. And then Omicron hit and closed everything back down again. Yep. So that makes it sort of hard to gauge how much hobbying people are doing. But yep. 
gauging or yeah, gauging from the fact that the miniature companies still seem to be maintaining a fairly regular release schedule. Like it's been somewhat reduced because they often try and focus things around big events, which aren't going on in that. They don't get as much hype. So they've, they seem to have dialed big releases back, but most miniature companies still seem to be maintaining like a regular release schedules. And the game stores don't seem to have been like shutting down. So people are still hopefully ordering things through the local game stores. So the appearance from the outside seems to be the hobby is still like going. Yep. Yeah. So that's the interesting thing is that if you were to look at it at a surface level, right? Like our wargaming, the wargaming community needs to, you need to have people or people to play games with, right? And a lot of the wargaming community, at least right now, has been centered around congregating to find people to play at stores because a lot of people don't have that many uh, opponents to play, right? In these massive war games that have often multiple different factions and different kind of troops and everything like that uh so they can't necessarily like if you start getting really into the hobby and you want to play more than that one friend that you have which means it's like two armies fighting each other then hopefully it's a lot cheaper to go out and find more opponents than it is to just buy all of the like five or ten factions you want to play against and have your friends alternate between those right well if you're not going out and you're only seeing one friend then don't you (laughs) Try and keep buying all those factions to make it interesting. That is true. That is true. Yeah. And that, that's the kind of thing, right? Like you'd think that this would be a lot large restriction, but at the same time, for a long time, um, when we were playing Warhammer 40,000, up until like 2010, we only played against people we knew, right? Yeah. And just from talking, from hearing other people in the community talk about the game, that most of them don't actually, at least where we are, don't meet at game stores they usually just meet people they know so. yeah so you you basically get hopefully at least one or maybe even three of your friends to get into the hobby and you get in all together and then you play right yep but as we get older it becomes increasingly hard to convince people to drop a bunch of stacks of cash and sometimes the more important part is time to go and get into a game right that you know nowadays time is king so like people will trade money for time and small experiences right and so um yeah do you feel like though even that though is restricted with covid right oftentimes yep well what's restricted even seeing your one or two friends, right? Unless it's your brother, and I didn't have brothers, I had two sisters who were not at all interested in competitive miniature game playing when I was young, um, or even really miniatures. Um, they, like, if I was living at home as a young person and I couldn't see my friends because, you know, there's lockdowns and things like that, um, I wouldn't be able to play miniatures unless, I don't know, my, my siblings could play miniatures, right? Or the people I'm living with play miniatures. And mm-hmm. you hear a lot about people. And, and as the miniature gaming community has actually grown up quite a bit, whereas like before it was the kind of thing where, you know, young people would get into miniature gaming. Now it feels like a lot of people get into miniature gaming after, afterwards because people grow up playing video games instead, right? And we, we also play video games, but, but the whole like, pipeline into miniature gaming is almost i feel like pushed back and and again it's the same thing with board games right is that the initial thing was like there were not that many video games maybe there was a lot but like it's not it was not as ubiquitous when we were growing up uh so there's a lot more entries into playing board games and miniature games as a child and then basically growing up with a hobby and so you want to hit these people when they're young nowadays mostly people like like my my nephew when he wants to to play games he generally plays a lot of video games like he wants to play a lot of video games right and then what happens is that the the analog like in real life game playing happens a lot later 
when suddenly you're going to work and you spend all of your time in front of a computer and you don't necessarily want to spend that time in front of a computer on your leisure time. And so the idea of unplugging and playing a miniatures game or uh, uh, a board game is a lot more attractive. So I feel like there's basically a second on-ramp that is, I think, becoming probably in many ways more significant than the child on-ramp. Especially yeah, because miniatures become so expensive. Yeah, once people are done with school as well, like during school, if you go to university, you're studying after, or if you're going to college, you're maybe working a part-time job. So you don't have the time. Like you can squeeze some video games in in the middle of the night, but yeah. like wargaming, you need like dedicated time blocks to go meet up with people to yeah. play games. So it's just easier when you're younger just to play video games and you need, you just need more, you need like spare time after work to really engage in it or after school? I think, I think it's really the idea of analog, the analog gaming that has really made it a a, a very strong alternative to the nor quote unquote normal way of playing games, which is now video games. Like I think most people will agree if you're talking about, Hey, let's go play a game. It's going to be maybe sports is number one. And then video games is number two. They don't think of board games. Yeah, you go join a sports league for, for those who aren't so nerdish. Or you, you know, I don't know, play video games. Yeah, you play video games. Video games are very ubiquitous. They're the normal way to play. All of my nieces and nephews um, uh, play video games, right? Uh-huh. And even the ones that are, like, not nerds at all, like, have played some video games. And way more video games than they've played board games yep the one that's pushed board games on them is me (laughs) i'm just like why don't you play these games why are you always stuck on the computer and playing these other games so because they haven't played video games for 15 years straight plus exactly it's like for me i'm like so boring all the video games are basically the same these days like if it's not an indie video game why are you even playing although i should be saying that considering i play like a mass market game right now as my main game but whatever Uh uh-huh so I think the other thing about like having to spend lots of t- like the time that actually goes into the hobby is the fact that like, I think most people who are in the hobby probably spend like 80% of the time painting and 20% of the time playing the game. Mm-hmm. List building like goes in there somewhere, but whatever, that doesn't take too much time and theory crafting. But just because like that 80%, you haven't been stopped from that 80% of the hobby. Yeah. And going back to the people like the 40K players, the mass other mass army games people who for somehow got into historicals i don't know (laughs) i don't know how that happened to them i told Uh, you it's an age thing as you get older for some reason the historical stuff becomes more interesting as another genre you can dip your toe into yeah who knows maybe it's just more more towards the analog and further from the fantasy who knows but like if 80% of your time in the hobby is just spent painting and maybe it takes like for those big games where you need a hundred plus guys on the board that can easily take you like a year plus to get the project done. Mm -hmm. So even if there's a lockdown, you still have like, if you want, you told yourself, Oh, I'll paint an army. We've got a good year going. And even if you finish one army and don't play it, you're like, usually as a miniature game, you're like, I could, I like a lot of armies or you like multiple games. And like, you know, your yeah. friends has been working on a different army and you're like, oh, we'll meet up and play like that game. You go and you buy yeah. into that game as well. Cause like, well, I finished one whole, like I finished 200 skeletons for this army. Yeah. Why don't I move on to play Blood Bowl or like Warcry or whatever, you pick up a couple guys for that. You're like, I've got yeah. time to paint it. So. Uh, side tangent. Uh, Do you hear that Blood Bowl miniatures are going up 25%? Oh, I've already bought all the Blood Bowl miniatures I need. It's okay. Yeah, now I'm glad that I bought all my, my miniatures. I'm like, really? 25%? This is that's huge. What caused... And, and this new release is, is are not older than six years. No. Like, How is that an inflation rise? Are you telling me in the past little while where inflation's apparently at less than 2% that... Somehow their costs are up twenty five percent, or their or their inflation is up twenty five percent. That's just insane. Anyways, the point being that despite the fact that 
you know, you would think that the visible way thing of meeting people, even though we, we, we said one of the reasons why you play this game, right? Uh, play get into miniature wargaming is the the analog kind of meeting people in real life and, and, and throwing around dice and, and shoving things around the board is a huge portion of the interest of the game versus video games, let's say. The fact that the, the, the truth of the matter is that 80% of the time you put into the hobby is sitting at your painting table. If you do the full hobby, mm-hmm. is sitting at your painting table, painting miniatures. And I can't speak for everyone because, you know, we talk about our infinity group being much reduced, right? And some people don't necessarily... Uh, don't necessarily kind of like disappeared when you when you know we're not playing um the painting part of the hobby has kind of kept us together yeah there's so, a few we're in the game for like a social thing but they're i would say they're a small fraction most yeah, of the people and the interesting it because yeah, sorry, go on. most of the people are in it because they think the hobby is really cool of what they can create and then there's a few people who just think it's really cool tactically and like playing face to face but I think the people who like playing face-to-face and the social people are a very small fraction of the, the community. You mean only, only like that? Yeah, yeah. That, that's the primary driver of them being in the thing. It's not that they think like the whole hobby. I think the social aspect is a huge import, huge thing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but and so, so I do feel like the reason why I say this, because there's a lot of drop-off, right? Like I think the one thing that is interesting to me is that we ended up creating a paint night to replace the the ministry gaming night because you know people you know to, to maintain that social aspect and to also encourage people to you know get back into their, their miniatures and I have to say that that kind of thing uh, did help encourage me to paint more and I found like for a little while there I started getting more and more into video games because you know even though I had a lot of uh, backlog of miniatures and I was slowly going through them. I didn't have as much drive to paint them when you don't, when it's just, you know, just for yourself, you're never going to show it to anyone and you are uh, not going to be able to play with them. Then my incentive to go and sit there and paint, even though when I was, whenever I started painting, I really enjoyed it. My incentive to start painting dropped a lot. But when I started, we started having these paint nights I became more incentivized because I had a, a ability to share the painting portion of, of the hobby, right? So mm-hmm. it's this social aspect that helped feed into it. And honestly, once I started doing that, I started painting even more, even when there was not the social night, right? Like I would paint, I would just paint more. I would spend time to like, you know, pick up miniatures and just paint, even if it's not necessarily that social night. Yeah, I guess once it's kind of a habit thing that once you get in the habit of doing something like, oh, I've just been painting lately, why don't I keep doing more of this? Because it's, it's at the top of your head. So, mm-hmm. But I do feel like there's a bunch of people in our group and some people who are really engaged in the Infinity group that I feel like have fallen off a lot. And, if, and I think a lot of it that went to just playing video games, right? And my question is, and I think that is inevitable because I think our hobby is this conglomeration of a bunch of different things that make up our hobby. But do you, what, what do you think about that aspect of the fact that because we're not, like you said, we're missing the social, we, we were missing the social aspect. And even though we have it now, we're missing the face-to-face aspect of it, of, you know, getting together and even having dinner afterwards, which, which we always had, and then the playing of the games, right? Because of that, we, we lost a lot of, you know, the community feeling or the community, or just a lot of the community. Not everyone translated to going on the paint night, right? It's actually a very small number relative to the all the people that used to show up. Yeah, and in, in theory, like, for the paint nights, people aren't going out doing something else because the paint night was scheduled for the same night we'd be playing games. And by this point, I'm sure everybody owns webcams and all that, and they've gotten used to Zooming, whereas uh-huh. two years ago, people weren't used to Zooming. So it's pretty much open to anyone. But mm-hmm. I guess a lot of people, like, painting's a chore to them, so they just... they If they don't feel like they need to get the miniatures painted to play, they don't. 
I don't know if a lot of people are paintings a chore. I think it is a lot of it has to do with the incentive structure. Like I said, like when I paint, I enjoy it. But the idea and the incentive to paint, to, to, to sit down to get everything set up to actually paint is not there as much without the idea of showing off, like going with people and playing games and showing off that kind of aspect, right? And I wonder if because of that, people like if you start replacing your desire to, you know, like, like we said, the hobby is a whole bunch of different parts and I've gone through this before is a whole bunch of different parts, right? You have your game playing, you have your social aspect, you have your uh, painting, you have your artistic aspect and, and, you know, all these different things, right? Um, if you start spending your time on the gaming and playing aspect on video games, that's going to drag you away from the other portions of the game. Right. Even though, like you said, most of the time people spend most of the time, like 80% of the time, you know, assembling and painting miniatures is the main part of the hobby. Maybe not 80%, but let's say 70 or 60%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know you and I would just keep painting random things and buying random things to paint. But a lot of people, when they talk about what they're painting, they're like, oh, there's an event coming up. I really want to have this army ready for it. And I find like those are a pretty large number of the people in the game. The hobby community at least we play games with they're like oh there's an event coming up and get this whole thing built and painted for that whereas yeah i'm like if i don't have it painted i'll just play my previous army i don't care yeah I want my army yeah. look cool i'm not gonna rush my army i'm just gonna play one of these yeah. many armies i already own so. <laughs> yeah i guess it's because you know for us as we've grown up the the painting and the like the the painting hobby aspect has become a larger portion even before COVID-19 right like before COVID-19 uh, at the behest or the uh, encouragement of one of our other friends we started going to painting competitions which has nothing to do with the the not nothing to do but is is tangential to the wargaming part of the hobby right like you're only like Miniature paint, painting for miniature competition is an entirely, um, can be an entirely separate hobby where you never play with the miniatures you paint and you literally just assemble and paint to make them look good, put on your own shelf, and then occasionally go to these competitions, right? Mm -hmm. Mostly, I feel like to socialize with other people who do this for, for fun, right? And then you all pat yourself on, on each other's backs and then you go home. Or yes. they say, oh, you suck. And then you, you you only get a ribbon, a participation ribbon instead of a cool award. And then yeah. you go home. So honestly, I guess because we're the flip side of that, they were like, oh, we we only paint stuff to bring to competitions. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't do it. I started some competition pieces and I'm just like, that's eh, hard. I'm not going to finish this. And then just <laughs> on the side, 90%. Yeah. Um, so without, without an event to work towards for competition painting, since I'm not that way focused i won't like push through on those pieces whereas just like painting armies i would just paint a whole army even without yeah, it's just more fun having like a whole thing for me i feel like instead of of like competition pieces uh dioramas seem a lot cooler like i've i find the idea of painting a diorama a lot more interesting than just painting one piece technically very well right yeah, I find I kind you, of translated that to be more practical and just paint tables of terrain yeah. and function as a diorama. Yeah. yeah, and it's almost like, I guess it's the difference of painting like, I don't know, a scene and a portrait, right? Although the one thing that I don't necessarily like about miniature painted competitions, uh, this is a very meandering uh, topic, <laughs> but uh, is there's a lot of focus on technical skill and not a lot on artistry. But when you start opening it up to dioramas, you have to, to deal with composition. And that opens a lot of idea to look into artistry and, and, and storytelling and all that kind of stuff, right? And yeah. of course you can storytell with just like one miniature, but the mm -hmm. focus, especially, especially on, um, miniature painting is it, competitions sorry is a lot on just technical skill yep until you get to something large enough that no one expects you to paint the entire thing with a giant amount of technical skill then you can move beyond that yep or you're so good that 
people are like, yeah, you're amazing at tactical skill. Okay. Okay, Picasso. Now you can do whatever the fuck you want. I'm just maybe not Picasso. I don't know if there's any miniature painters out there that explicitly paint it badly mm-hmm. just to make it different, right? But that would be interesting if there was a Picasso miniature painting. That would be crazy. Like, could you imagine, like, what's his name? Ben Comets just being like, so this looks like it was painted by a five-year-old because I was testing my artistic limits and I was like, this really sells, like, the essence of this thing. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. mm, okay, I guess. I guess this is real art now. Yeah. All right. So yeah, we definitely need a cubist movement in competition miniature painting. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it'll be cubist. Who knows what it'll be? Sorry, I guess postmodern dry, or somewhere. You just splatter it with paint. It could be dry brushist movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, oh my god, that would be amazing. I think there's a, there was there was that movement like f smoothness, right? Because there was the idea of like technically just being able to paint a super smooth line, and then some guy was like. You know, this is not important actually for for real artists. Why yeah, that, and the textures and everything? Why is it important for miniature painting? And then he painted beautiful things. Was it? What was his name? I think it went by Banshee. He has Spanish name. Banshee. Yeah. And then it kind of pushed all these other painters to be like, "You're right. You know, you're right. We are artists. Why are we trying to just have this like one style? Be perfecting at one style and one up each other. We should have our own styles." And then I think that really helped make it like a real art form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do stuff with color as opposed to just like pure technique. Color, texture, lines, whatever you want to do. That's what I'm saying. You can have a cubist movement. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, I expect the dry brushes movement first. Anyway. Sorry, dry brush, dry brushes movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so <laughs> there's a again tangential almost you know what now that i think about it more that whole like marvel tangent is actually summarizing our actual conversation more than i thought it would so Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so the fact that we sit there and we paint and afterwards do you think that it has helped us stay engaged in the hobby as a whole and what and how about those these people who play video games and, and and i wonder if they've moved away from the hobby um do you think that the fact that they could spend a lot of time painting miniatures um you know during the covid is still positive for them and ke- either kept them in longer or will be able to attract them back more easily when maybe even if lockdowns are not fully opened, but like, I guess that's one thing, right? Where you can months before lockdowns are open, you could be like, oh, you know what? Lockdowns might be open. Maybe I can go play with miniatures and you can start getting involved without actually getting involved, right? You can start painting your miniatures in preparation of going to like things opening up and playing with people in real life. Well, I think that involves them noticing events and wanting to go to them. So depends depends on how they figure out where those are. Maybe the people who are in the community have to like reach back out to them to be like, yo, it's actually happening like directly because so many people. You think that's the fact that we have this hobby portion, like our, our postulate was it is in the name is that the hobby portion is kept, you know, we've said it's kept the space, but we admit that there's been a lot of, you know, people who have fallen out of the hobby because we're missing the, um, the social aspect and the gaming aspect. So is there a way that the hobby part can bring those people back when in anticipation? Or do you think that it's just that some, we're never really gonna lose some people, but the people that remain are uh, the people who are, who are sated by the hobby portion? Yeah, I guess the people who have been doing the hobby portion are gonna wanna go off and show off what they've done. Cause that's, you always want to be like, oh, look at this cool stuff I painted because you think it's really cool. So those people are going to want to come back out, I think. The people who have like, were in it just for the gaming and have switched to video games, I think they're going to be slower to return before they, they get burned out on sitting in front of the computer. Yeah, you think, um, you think that, so, so your thought is that it'll actually need the actual opening up social aspect and and gaming aspect to happen first before they come back. So they'll come back with unpainted armies and then slowly they'll start painting them again. 
yeah, the people who were there for aspects that their primary interest wasn't like the, the hobby aspect. Okay, so you don't think that the hobby aspect could drive them into the hobby, back into the hobby in anticipation of their favorite parts of their hobby returning? No, I think that the people who kept the games alive were the hobbyists who then just had more time on their hands because everything else in their life got canceled. They didn't have to drive to work. They were able to work from home. And then they just like went So many more hours. Yeah, so many more hours to put into hobbying. That's fair, yeah. So then- I haven't counted my hours of hobbying, but at some points at the very beginning of it, it became like a lot of hours. Yeah. I feel like, again, I, I'm somewhere in between where the video games definitely took their toll on me and replaced it and then ate up more of my free time because I got addicted to them because I'm a very addictive personality. It's kind of mm-hmm. weird that they, you say you have an addictive personality, which implies that my personality, like people get addicted to my personality, but it's the actual opposite is that my personality means that I'm more likely to get addicted. I feel like that's not the right way to say it. Well, saying addiction. All I'm saying is it makes it sound like a good thing as opposed to actually basically a bad thing. Saying addiction afflicted sounds a little too negative. <laughs> and it's not really a personality, right? It's like I have an addiction problem where I get addicted to things very, very easily. Yeah, we're, we're not going into the five-factor model of personality on, on this show. We'll, we'll save that for some other topic that needs it. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, we did go through like the, the different personalities of miniature wargaming. So the five different different aspects of, addi- of miniature gaming addiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could do that another time. Uh-huh. That, that'll probably be an insult to the real How side. many do I suffer? Oh, man, I suffer probably from a lot of them. Um, all right, so um that said there is another aspect that we've we've been talking about maintaining our groups right and we actually had other groups we had an infinity group which also kind of fell up like i think all the people that played in not infinity sorry uh frostgrave our frostgrave group and all the people that played frostgrave with us not all of them but most of them were really into the hobby aspect because i think that you know the game of frostgrave lends then like encourages people who are really into the hobby portion well, and i yeah. think all of us are painting and 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 doing miniature gaming but we are no longer congregating mm-hmm. so that that is somewhat interesting i painted up a full infinity army like in, in during the break and everything like that only frost one grave i feel like sorry frost grave also gosh, have i even painted a full infinity army during the break i've been doing a lot of gw random other stuff i've only painted a handful of miniatures i think during the break for infinity i've bought a lot but oh no i finished did i finish no i didn't finish did i finish my no i don't think i i did some but i didn't i don't know if i painted a full army i painted a bunch of different armies um but the point is that we haven't talked about uh the fact that a whole bunch of people got into the hobby during the break or at least returned to the hobby during the break yeah well it's hard to figure out what they're doing because i guess they wouldn't have known about the online communities or been engaged with them and that wasn't their goal their goal wasn't to engage with the community the goal was just to do the hobby so i guess the real question that comes out of that is like what do these do these people intend to like go to hobby stores do where they intend to play with their friends like were they just doing it to have this cool thing because like people collect things like there's lots of collectible things that people mm-hmm. gather which i'm not into those collectible toy things but they, they obviously must be big because they're all over the place but this yeah. may just be another like sort of collectible artistic project that people decide they want to do but the question so is that's where true i think there's a lot of spike because there's a lot of overlap we, like literally what the, these companies that sell miniatures sell to two different groups right they sell to people who want to get into the our hobby, the wargaming hobby, right? Uh, which includes playing the game, right? Painting the models, assembling them, and then playing. But there's also another group, and, and by all accounts, this is the larger group, which is just the modeler group, who literally buy these things to assemble them and occasion and you know, probably maybe an even more significant portion paints them than than in terms of the playing group, right? Because they're literally buying these models to assemble and paint for fun and collect right and i don't know gw constantly says that this is their like vastly outnumbers the play group well if you think about like how they even have designed their models lately there's so many showcase pieces they put out we're like 
this would be terrible to transport and put on the board. But yeah, like, you, must... basically every player has one, but would, would, if they're playing, you really only want to bring one, right, per army. Well, you get a but note. if you're a hobbyist, you bought maybe that's the only thing you buy. You don't even buy rank and file. Well, no, but you would buy it for other factions too. You don't have a faction. You just have like a bitch. No, that's what I'm saying. That if you're a hobbyist, you might just collect the the model pieces. You might just want to put them on your yourself. So you just collect the, the giant things so you have no infantry. Mm-hmm. You're like the infantry is not cool. I want this big ass demon and this like giant cool vehicle and and this other demon and then this other big guy in a mech suit and stuff like that why do i care about these like stupid lowly guard running around when i can get this big ass cool guy he fits much better on my shelf anyways their line troopers are pretty low quality compared to other lines i can see that (laughs) what do you mean oh like for regular human size guys the detail scale all that design on oh for for gw troops are just like miles behind other other lines so yeah people i totally see people buying the big display pieces as cool yeah. painting pieces because they are yeah because i was gonna say wait do you mean infinity i feel like the infinity line troopers are some of the best models they have yeah exactly like people are buying gw for that i hope not yeah oftentimes like a, a lot of their their line troopers are some of their oldest models too like the orcs didn't get a resculpt luckily they got a resculpt recently which i will be buying in march um because of the GW uh, price increase on March 7th. So I got to buy it in March. So I got to finish all of my orcs now so that I can have at least a couple of weeks where I've been fully painted in terms of all of my orcs. But anyway, sidetrack. Yes. So this hobby aspect is an important kind of thing. And I think that's the entire idea is they, they funnel into each other, right? Technically, these are two different hobbies at least i guess you could say the hobby aspect where you play with them is you know every wargaming hobbyist is also a model or painter but not every model or painter is a wargaming hobbyist and technically most of the people that buy miniatures are model or painters not wargaming hobbyists yeah i don't know how we find these people or know what they're doing but you know I'm just going by the marketing of what GW says. Actually, I don't even know if that's technically true for all games. But, yeah, but that's be- what GW says. I don't know if I'd believe GW either. Who knows? That's also fair that they might actually either be lying or not know actually what they're buying. Because mm-hmm. when you hear of all the other game companies, they care more about balancing their troops because they realize that their players are gamers, whereas GW seems to be totally willing to ignore the balance thing and be like, oh, we're not even trying to make a balanced game, which I don't know if it's a cop-out or not, because when literally every other company says the exact opposite and you know their games die when they fail to do the balancing thing, that I don't know if GW is actually telling the truth that the hobbyists are a big bulk of the people who are like keeping the company. There's no reason they should lie though. So I assume that they're telling the truth. Or they're insane. Or they're, they're just, I feel it's more likely if they're wrong that they're just incompetent than they're actually m- meant to be wrong. Because mm-hmm. that's a huge marketing thing. And they also told that to their shareholders. So it would be weird. Like, technically, they're not allowed to lie to the shareholders. So uh-huh. that's what I'm saying. Uh, in any case, I totally agree. It's possible that they just don't know anything about their, their hobbyists. But I think that's, it makes sense to me as well. So I guess the other thing, though, is because the larger portion of, of our hobby is hobbyists, or maybe it's even if it's comparable, right, it has kept a lot of the other portion alive, right? Because all the people who were wargamer who like the wider world could just concentrate on this other portion of the hobby, right? And as well, a lot of people who don't even really think about the wargaming portion or think about it as a side, uh, like a, an afterthought, got into the hobby aspect and like you said like we've been saying throughout the entire covid we don't have a lot going on so you know a lot of people have decided either to come back let's say they assemble miniatures from their children they come back or they're like hey this is kind of cool i i like i like the idea of 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 this why don't i get into uh painting this stuff up like i have a coworker who plays D and um 
he ended up having a, a painting night like like i i had one painting night with my entire like you know small team but then he ended up having another painting night with his uh brother where they went and painted miniatures right hung out and painted miniatures and i was like wow that's kind of cool right like this is definitely a thing that is coming that is a great way to get into the general hobby and i think i've i i've, I've seen a lot of at least youtubers on, on online and I, I feel like this is probably true for a bunch of people um you know like <laughs> anecdotes are not data but um, that people that get into the hobby, let's say from the uh, D&D side, they get into the miniature assembling a portion of the, the, the hobby, right? They like, they're like role-playing, they get into the miniature game, miniature portion of the hobby, and then from the miniature portion of the hobby, they get into the war game hobby, right? Because now they, they start painting a whole bunch of miniatures and they have like tens and hundreds of miniatures and they're like, hey, you know what? I can play this war game. And they start like the competitive aspect and then they get into that kind of aspect, right? Well, so I just, feel like- They start looking at figures and like, oh, figures are part of games. And then they yeah they try something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like because of that, a lot of the people that just got into this modeling portion of the hobby during this break are going to end up feeding into the games as they look for ways or discover ways that they can uh, play with the miniatures and the many miniatures that they've painted, right? And so I'm hoping, like, I, I believe that, you know, I feel like there's going to be a bunch of new faces when we actually are able to open up and, and get into playing. And I also feel like during the hobby, you know, we, we've talked about, or during the break, the COVID, sorry, the, the, the lockdowns, we've been painting a lot more random stuff all over the place, right? Yep. And so I feel like that will help encourage uh, games, skirmish games that are much more conducive to hobbyists to get into playing than these giant GW games where you need like 100 miniatures or something like that. Yeah, I guess people have gotten less used to going to giant meetups where you have giant games, so. Yeah, I don't know. That's just a thought. I don't know if this is actually going to come, come true or not, but I feel like that aspect means that, like, these smaller skirmish games where you just paint 10 miniatures that you like and then throw them on the table are going to become more popular and help be a gateway to bring these hobbyists that have, in some ways, grown um, into the wider portion of wargaming hopefully once COVID ends yeah maybe we'll see if you want to go outside again or not I guess I guess the last thing is that I think we've seen like some sort of balancing between uh you know people getting the hobby just for for the modeling aspect I guess people getting to miniatures for the model aspect and hopefully they'll feed into the wargame aspect afterwards and then people who are main stuck contain like still stay in the wargame aspect because they lean on the hobbying aspect but do you, I guess the last thing is, do you think that for those people, uh, there's going to be a limit to how long that goes on? I think we've seen over the year, over the t- two years, a bunch of people that came to the hobby nights are no longer coming to the hobby nights because they've gone on to different things that are maybe more conducive to sitting at home all day. Yeah, I don't, hmm. I don't know if they just burn out on doing the same thing for a long time or not. Because, you know, some people would go to the game store and then get, like, tired of going to the game store for a while, do something else for a while, and then come back. So it may just be, like, a burnout thing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I do worry about our ability to get people back into the hobby. Um, You know, our plan was more boots on the ground kind of idea where we, like, just showed up every day on on, on those Mondays and help encourage anyone that looked and thought thought what we painted was cool to get get into playing, right? We have not really adapted to dragging people into our hobby uh, online. Uh, You know, we've tried, but I don't think we've been super successful, especially with new people, right? So I guess the question is, how how about the future? Yeah, I don't know how people is it just it. going to be again like four of our friends who play like we are going to end up playing a necromana campaign soon and it's literally like four friends or, or four to six friends are just going to get together and play apparently that's how most people play their games so who knows yeah, yeah i guess i guess that's maybe true and so hopefully as much as i guess the hobby aspect um helps you know you know what 
Now I think about it, this entire group, it's not necessarily like we're playing an entirely different game. We have a couple people from different groups. Um, this thing was actually built on the hobby aspect. Necromunda, us going to play Necromunda is actually built like, you know, a lot of us played Infinity together, but like this new hobby journey with this new game has been built on hobbying. The fact that every Monday we, we came together to paint, right? Which was based on off the back of the hobbying aspect of painting and get it's during COVID has built this new campaign that we're going to do as we come out of COVID. Yeah, I guess there's certain communities that have been built up during COVID that were built up virtually. So yeah. not just so, in all sorts of spheres. Yeah, so as much as I guess I'm worried about our infinity uh, community and I think it'll bounce back, you know, like I think it's definitely weakened because of, of the lockdowns, but I think it'll bounce back. But I think the hobby aspect has really, as much as it, you know, it, it's kept the Infinity community alive but shrunk. It has created new communities and new uh, games to explore as we come out of COVID and lockdown. Yeah, because I guess people would branch once they finished their army they were working on for a particular game and they haven't played it. They're just more willing to like, okay, I'm not going to make another army for the same game if I haven't played the first army. Just branch out to do different games. And so as people like buy different game, like sets of miniatures for different games, as COVID restrictions ease, people will go out and seek other people to play with the games. And Mm -hmm. so I do really do think even, I really do think that, that the hobby aspect is going to end up feeding into these things. And it is feeding, you know, these new games, Necromunda for us that we will be playing uh, soon, right? Uh, so I think that is, I think, I think that is, it's true. I think the hobby aspect has really helped, at, at least for us personally, uh, stay, kept our community alive and helped encourage us to play in the future. Yep. So um, I think that's, that's, uh, good a point as any to uh wrap things up um so if you have any ideas about you know miniature gaming community the hobbyist aspect what games you want to play as covid restrictions ease and you get back together to to see each other yeah like what Um, game taken up while not going out to play games like what looked appealing (laughs) that wouldn't have been appealing when you were just gaming like normal yeah and that you might now, you started buying miniatures for, maybe you painted up a warband and, and, and what games you're going to go out and uh, play now um, that code restrictions uh, loosen. Why don't you uh, give us a shout? We'd love to hear about it. Uh, you can email us at contact at Dice Over Everything. Yeah, or find us on Facebook, we're Dice Over Everything, or let us know what you've been up to and join Dice Over Everything group. All right, this has been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. Bye.